Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to build a thriving and sustainable business as an author. This week's show is all about crisis management, which is not, as you might expect, just managing crisis when you're in the middle of one. What it can and should be is a process of training yourself to recognize and to deal with potential threats quickly and without allowing your emotions to become involved. Our guest is longtime favorite of the show, author, speaker, and teacher Chris Syme. Many of us know Chris as a podcast host and as an author marketing expert, but her early training was in crisis management. In this episode, we'll learn to identify and to appropriately respond to the different threat levels that can impact your author business. Before we get started, I have a quick favor to ask of you. I've recently learned that the algorithms for Apple Podcasts have changed. The ratings are no longer based just on downloads, but now are more influenced by the recency and number of ratings and reviews. Much like with books, podcast ratings and reviews can help to put the show in front of more people who can use the show to help build better author businesses for themselves. So if you could do that through your podcast app, I, I would be uh, greatly appreciative. I'll also have a link in the show notes that will show you the steps that you need to go through. It's a sort of a torturous process to do this through iTunes, but it can be done through iTunes as well. Whatever you can do would be much appreciated. I, I thank you so much for listening. And if you do choose to rate or review the show, I would love that as well. Okay, let's get this one started. The interview began with me asking Chris to define crisis management and to tell us what makes her uniquely qualified to discuss the subject. Well, that, that's a great question to ask because, you know, there's a lot of books out there that talk about a lot of different things by a lot of people that aren't qualified. And this, this particular um, subject area is my background, my education. So I did my graduate work in crisis management. And when we talk about crisis management, I'll, talk, I'll address that first. We're talking about negative online events, or they could be offline, but for us, it's mostly going to be online events, that you have to make a decision about whether you're not you're going to get engaged. So it isn't just the um, you know, the big things that we read about, it's the little things that we divide crises up into different levels and we can get into that. But it's just a decision on, is this something I need to ignore? Is this something I need to send an email off? Is this something I need to hire a lawyer for? So it's, it's everything. It's the gamut of all the things that happen. And I, as I said, I did my graduate work in crisis management and then I went to work as an online crisis manager for uh, universities and businesses around the country. And I also did a lot of training sessions for athletes, coaches, um, marketing staffs, and all kinds of people on how to behave yourself on social media, because <laughs> that's lots of times what gets us involved in a crisis. It's interesting. And without going into specifically authors just yet, um, I, I think in, when I think in terms of crisis management, I think mostly of the national stage and I think of politicians, athletes, and you know people who just make bad decisions, do stupid things. 
And then you can just see the crisis management team getting together and the, and the step-by-step process that they go through to engage things. And this is obviously high-level things, not the kind of things that we're going to be talking about today where we have to just think about how to uh, – or should we even respond to things? But these are the, the kind of crises where you have to respond and you need to do certain things. And you address a lot of that in the book from a different perspective, but we all expect when we see – a famous athlete do something stupid, within two or three days, there had better be a really good, really sincere apology, or the thing will just go on forever. Yes, and it's interesting that that we think that way, because the, the framework for handling any kind of negative event is the same, whether it's a negative book review or a um, something that you're really culpable or you've done something legally wrong or you've stuck your foot in your mouth or whatever it is if you're a big corporation. But the idea of you know crisis management is really three phases. It's the prevention, it's the actual management, and then it's the recovery. And all events have some of that, but it is, you know, when we think of it, we do think of that, and boy, we don't have to go very far if you're on social media, especially Twitter, which is where a lot of this stuff seems <laughs> to surface. Um, there's something every day going on that you could, you know, and you have to be careful because it isn't just what happens to other people. Because sometimes when you jump in, then you become part of it as well. Yes, and I I want to get into that a little bit later. So fortunately for authors, um, you've written a book, a new book that's coming out tomorrow. This show is going to go live on June 6th, and I think your book goes – drops on June 7th. And the book is Crisis Management for Authors. So we're going to talk – talk through a little bit of this. But, you know, to get the full detail, you need to pick up a copy of the book. Well, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. This is a book that's timely, and um, it's neat to – I should have written it a long time ago because I get a lot of questions from people that have some of the things that are in the book. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's a good time for authors to just know the process. Um, I I just – I have this picture in my mind of authors wringing their hands all the time when they see stuff, you know, wondering what they should do, you know, should they – and the book, one of the things that will help you do is it'll – give you a framework that will help you understand that you don't have to respond to everything. Um, 99% of the things for most people, they should just ignore. Yep. Well, let's kind of walk through the framework a little bit. You've you've got, in the book, you break it down into four unique sections, which are listen, engage, evaluate, and respond. So, you know, because you're Chris Simon and you and I have talked a lot, I know that you don't have really complicated strategies. You tend to have simple <laughs> strategies that are easy to use. So wh- what's, what's a simple strategy that's easy to use for listening, for example? And what is listening as a part of your framework? Right. Well, the two, the two first pieces of that framework, listen and, uh, and engage, have more to do with the before you actually do something. And then the the listen piece especially is part of what I call crisis prevention. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do when we listen is we're looking for signs, warnings, and patterns that may include, you know, a lot of different things. But the frequent negative posts by people that don't like you, um, incorrect information, misquotation, slander, you know, legitimate requests for information in a crisis if you're already involved in one. But you need to be listening. And what I mean by that is, Um, there's one really easy way you can take care of all of this. And I hate to kind of, you know, distill it down. But like you said, I like to do that because it makes it easier for people to implement. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that is just set up a Google alert for your name. And that is a pretty easy thing to do. Google, you can do it. If you have a pen name, you can set up one for that. If you want to do it for the, if you have a business name that is highly, uh, is high profile, you might want to set it up for that. But in Google alerts, which are part of the whole Google, you know, store thing, it, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. Um, you can set it to send you a digest once a week. That's plenty. Um, if there's something that comes more frequent than that, you'll find out about it. But <laughs> the good thing about it is that you don't want to um, obsess mm -hmm. over this. And I go into the book about this is not one of those things. There's a couple of, of, of um, types of people that really need to be careful here. And that is people that um, have are just FOMO addicted. They, mm -hmm. they don't want to miss anything. They have to know everything that's going on, especially as it relates to them online, um, or they want to be involved in everything. So there are weeks that go by on Google alerts where I never see a mention of my name ever, and I'm pretty much out there. Um, I use an app called Mention for this that is also free um, and you can set up one alert on mention for free and that, that I get a few more hits there because these are now I'm getting hits from people that are, um, tweeting my podcast and that kind of thing. Oh, so nice. the other thing that you can do if you, uh, want to, uh, you don't want to do any of this is just go into Twitter once a week. If you're on Twitter, you should have an account set up just for listening. You don't have to tweet to be on Twitter. It's a, it's a great research place and just, um, search your name, see if anything's popping up, but it's don't obsess. Um, it's nothing to stress about. You just need to know, um, if, and when these conversations ever ramp up or when a pattern is being established. So now, again, for 99% of the people that are listening, this pro it's probably something you're never going to have to worry about, but you do need to be listening. Exactly. And, and what we're talking about today, the whole idea of crisis management, again, most of us are not going to have to deal with this, but it's comforting to know that if something does come up, you have a framework for responding. So you're not just flailing about like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You can say, oh, I've got this tool that will help me do this and I can put some things in place ahead of time to deal with it should anything ever come up. And, you know, we all hope that those things don't come up. And that framework... Uh, remove or helps you deal with the emotional component of what's going to happen if you ever do get involved in any kind of negative event. Um, having a plan is what will allow you to be able to step back from the emotion of the event and handle it as a regular business process. And that's what, that's one thing I try and talk about in the book. It's really hard for people to do that if they don't have a plan because all of a sudden the emotion takes over and you just do what you think you should do. If you're guilty of something, you want to exonerate yourself. Or if you're not guilty, which is where most people get into trouble, then they take to social media and just blast everybody and say, that's not me, I didn't do that, this person's a liar, blah, blah, blah. And it can escalate pretty quickly. So the plan is the key to um, handling it correctly because if you have a plan, you'll also be able to know when you can ignore and that's the really important thing. Now, one of the things that occurred to me in, in reading the book is that having a plan also, it, it sort of takes the place of having had some experience in this area. If you've been in business for a while, bad things happen. 
And the first time a bad thing happens, you get sued for something or you're, you're slandered or whatever. It's, it's just you talked about the emotions. The emotions can be overwhelming and debilitating the first time. And then by the third time, you go, oh, all right, fine, you know, whatever. And it's, it's just a thing. You just you know what the process is to go through it. You know how it's likely to resolve itself. And you go about your business. But the first time it happens, it, it is just completely overwhelming. Yes. And if you have a plan and you can follow the plan, then your crisis will get over way quicker. And believe me, I know this by experience and by the experience of all my colleagues uh, who are still working in crisis management. Um, the quicker that you can do the right thing, the faster it'll go away. Okay, let's talk about engagement, um, and which is something obviously that we all should be doing. Um, but why is it important as it as it relates to crisis management? Well, I think the important thing to re- and when we're talking about engagement, we're just talking about what we all talk about um, about engagement in marketing. That's you know building a a loyal, engaged group of fans. But the thing about um, crisis management is you need to build a core group when there is no crisis, <laughs> because mm-hmm. when you have one, that's when advocates can do more to shorten the event for you if it's appropriate to use them. But the thing about it is that one thing I learned early on in crisis management is that there is nothing that mitigates a crisis faster and more effective than a good reputation. Mm-hmm. And if you have one, you've got a leg up when you go into any kind of negative event. Because if you've got a good reputation, then people are going to, a large amount of people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And if, if it's necessary and if it's appropriate, your fans will go to bat for you. Um, and that's another thing you don't get engaged in, by the way. You don't, you let them do their thing. You don't ask them, you don't, you don't do anything, but engagement strategies are important, not just for selling your books and building loyal fans, but also building up a solid presence on social media. And the reason that you need to do that is because if you're not, let's say if you have a Facebook page and you never use it, or you're on Twitter and you don't ever tweet, if you have a negative event and you try and jump on social media to exonerate yourself, then you'll get pummeled twice as much. Because it's like, you're not a member of this community. What are you doing here? Get out of here. You know, and so people are very protective of their communities and loyalties online. You have to be careful that you don't use social media as a quote-unquote channel in a crisis yeah. or message out there. Well, there was thing. something that happened this week. We're recording this show on May 26th, a Saturday, by the way. This is how hard we're both working for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but something happened with Amazon, who's a company with – Statistics uh, surveys show that they're one of the most respected companies in the world. People, most people really have a high opinion of Amazon. I'm one of those people that has a high opinion of Amazon. I'm a big Amazon booster, supporter, fanboy, however you want to define it. And there was a situation where uh, an Alexa recorded a conversation, snippets of a conversation, and sent it somewhere. And it became this huge story very quickly that was diffused very quickly because Amazon came out and said, here's what happened. It, you know, there was this, oh, there she is talking in the background. (laughs) 
You just said Alexa's name. Yes, and she's talking in the background. So this is this is what happened. Something something happened during a conversation that triggered her to begin listening, and then she asked, "Do you want to send this as a message to this person?" Because that person's name also came up in the conversation, and somehow a response was heard that was essentially a yes. And so Alexa sent it. And it became this big story that Alexa was recording things and randomly sending them to your contacts. And Amazon came out and showed exactly what happened. And I think this is going to become a a non-story, non-issue very quickly. Almost in like three or four days, it's gone from huge event to, oh, okay, I can see how that could happen. And that all comes from having a great reputation and having people like me who, when I first heard about this, could explain it away to people that were asking me about it. Why would you have one of those things in your house when it's doing this? Like, what? you know, that's not really what happened. This must be what happened. And so that's sort of the value of the raving fans and the engaged community that you're talking about. Right. And, you know, the other thing that Amazon did in that particular situation is that they responded quickly. Yes. With details. Yes. And the thing is, in a crisis, that you need to make sure that you respond quickly because... And then shut up, because the media tends to hang on to everything that you say. Mm -hmm. And so the longer you keep talking in the public space or the later you wait to come in and talk, it gives everybody in the media a chance to speculate or your readers or your fans or whomever. Plus, once you stop talking after you've explained it, then the media doesn't really have any more gasoline. So they go somewhere else. And so this... It's the idea that, again, this is where the plan comes in. I can guarantee you the size of Amazon that they have a very detailed um, messaging plan for crises Mm -hmm. and team of people that would jump on that and get hold of it right away. But you are so right. Amazon is a well-respected company in most circles, and so a lot of people are just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and move on. Yes. And if it were another company, it might be completely different. But I love what you said. You know, respond quickly and then shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the chapters in my book is called Go Forth and Hold Your Tongue. Yes. You know, I mean, you have to – this is the most difficult thing for people to do, but it's the most important. Well, one of the things that I also think is very difficult and critical in the process – we've been talking about listening and engaging, which are sort of the pre-crisis things, and then the next – Part of the framework is to evaluate, and that's where the emotions get involved and make it really difficult to evaluate with any sense of accuracy. So first off, what does it mean to evaluate, and how do we take the emotion out of it? Well, that's, that, those are really good questions because taking the emotion out of it requires what I would call a paradigm shift for most people, or a lot of authors – Honestly, don't you think? They don't think of themselves as business people. No, no. Uh, yeah, every, every little yeah. bad review can, can trigger all kinds of bad things to happen inside, right. their, in, inside their brains. And if you don't think of yourself as a business person, all you indies out there that are listening to you, you would have trouble evaluating any kind of a negative event because you, are, you think it's aimed at you, but mm-hmm. you, you're a business person. And you have to kind of, like talk in the uh, book about putting on bulldog pants, you have to be tenacious about keeping a, an emotional distance between you and the situation. It's just another business process. 
So we need to make sure that when we are evaluating what we what I call in the book threat levels, and this is kind of a crisis management term that helps you decide, um, do I ignore this? Do I just move on? Do I send an email? Do I go online and fill out a form? You know, do what do I do? What's the threat level? So we some crises, you know, need different responses, some need none. So by learning how to evaluate, you're going to be able to step back and and do something that's very important, and that is separate fact from fiction. And the most important thing that you have to remember in, in when you're evaluating is that how I feel is not part of the equation. So that becomes part of what I throw off the plate. It's not a fact of the situation. It's a fact that you're reacting to the situation, but when we talk about evaluating, we're just evaluating the problem, not how you feel about the problem. That doesn't have anything to do with it. So you have to evaluate the threat level first by separating fact from fiction, and because let's say let's say your emotions are a fiction, just so we can use this common lingo, you throw off all the things that are fiction, and your response just deals with the facts the things that you can actually validate, the things that you know. And so that's, that makes those level one crises go away really quick. You learn very quickly what to, that you can ignore a lot of stuff because the facts are not as threatening as how you feel about mm, them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So you mentioned a level one threat. How far do the threat levels go? Just, just three, one, two, three. Okay. And three is the worst? Three is, yeah, that's the, that's the incident that has the potential to impact your whole platform or your business. And it might require outside help from a lawyer or a PR specialist, somebody okay. like that. And, and you break all of this down uh, very clearly in the book, so we don't, need to, we don't need to go into it here. But one of the things I love about this, the evaluate step is that if you actually go through it, it keeps you from making the emotional decision and fulfilling that emotional need to respond immediately. Yeah, or respond at all. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, or yeah, respond so you- at all. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Sometimes no response is the best response. <laughs> well, for all, all level one incidents, it's usually no response. And, and so we have to understand that and, and I'm going to use an analogy of pouring gas on a fire mm-hmm. because I use that in the book. And I think it's easy for us all to know that if we pour gas on a fire, it's going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And in a crisis, and this is this is one thing that a lot of crisis managers know that's really hard to keep grounded in when you're actually in a crisis, is that if you respond and you're not involved in the crisis, you're actually throwing gas on the other person's fire. So you have to be really careful not only to not step up to the plate and go and go and you know unload on social media on things that are happening to you, but on other people as well. Because when you go and you respond to something without first going through the whole process of separating fact from fiction, identifying your culpability, you know, what are the results going to be of my actions? That's the biggest question. You have to get to that question yes. before mm-hmm. you can respond. You have to be able to understand the results of what you're going to do. And if you put your oar in, if you weigh in on an issue, you're in. You got a can of gas in your hand. 
Mm-hmm. And you've got to understand that. So sometimes, as we've seen recently in the author world, that even when your friends go to bat for you in a crisis, that's pouring gas on the fire. So you have to really understand the situation and the consequences of the event. Um, Lots of times we haven't separated fact from fiction yet. We haven't found out if what somebody is saying is actually true. Do they have a legal basis for what they're doing? You know, so we need to understand all of that, because when we can separate the fiction and throw all that off the plate, then we don't need to deal with the fiction. Most of the, um, the, the gas that I see thrown on a lot of fires in crises are people dealing with fiction issues that they should just shut up about. Yes, and if if we don't get involved, and I, I've just I'll just share not an example, but how the way mine work, my mind works when things like this happen. I'll see something, and I'll feel like, oh, I've got some unique insight that I can add to this, and I'm going to just put myself in the middle of this situation, and then I'll step back and say, what could that possibly help? How, how could this possibly help anyone? Because this is going to be one of 1,100 comments in the next eight minutes. No one's going to see it. Or if someone does see it, they're going to put me on either the A side or the B side, and they're either going to love me or they're going to hate me. And there's no winning by doing that. So then I'll just step away and say, okay, this is, this is not my fight. <laughs> Right. And the other thing that I talk about in the book is there are ways you can get involved. But in a crisis situation, they're on back channels. Mm -hmm. And when I say back channels, I mean something that isn't public, like emails, messages, phone calls. And so if I have a friend that's under fire for something that they did do or something that they didn't do, I am going to reach out to them via email, via phone, via messenger, and tell them, hey, I'm here. If you need anything, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I'm supporting you. Um, and and uh, there may be a professional organization that they can turn to for help. It might be your genre organization. It might be, you know, legal help. But, there, but use your back channels. And, and I've used back channels quite a bit in crisis management over the years, and it really helps to be able to do things behind the scenes, if you will. And if you really feel like you have to say something, um, say it, you know, on back channels, because that's the best way to get involved. And I'm telling you, if I'm under fire on social media, I would much rather hear from my friends via email or Facebook message or direct message on Twitter or phone call because that I know is means more to me than them piling on social media, which might make my fire worse. Yes. Now, you use a term in the book, uh, the swarm. And we see this in social media all the time where something happens and it's like, uh, it's like little kids' soccer where they're all kind of together and they move around the field together. <laughs> so it's I'm like, sorry, that was funny. It, it's like, you know, the, the group of little kids all go over here and they do the same thing. And that's in a, in a much larger uh, respect. That's this swarm mentality. And when you see it happening to someone that you like or respect or or you just kind of see it as, as an intellectual exercise and you watch it, it just seems like it's going to go on forever, but it doesn't, does it? 
No, it doesn't go on forever. But I, I do want to say something here before we kind of get into this. And that's that I know that there are people listening who are just rolling their eyes because they are the kind of people who are activators. They mm -hmm. can't sit on the sidelines. And so I'm not calling you a bad person if you want to get involved. But the, the problem with swarm attacks is that they are usually in, instigated by a person, a group, or somebody that is that is has a one sole purpose, and that is either to completely dissolve the business or reputation of the person they are targeted, or to get them to take an action. And if you join the swarm, you can't have a different message. You become just you just become a part of the swarm. So if you join the swarm, you're joining the party to. Um, to ruin the other person's reputation because it, I know this sounds weird, but it's true. Believe me, I've handled enough of these so that I know and watched other people handle them as well. When a swarm attack occurs, there is no differentiation in the conversation between positive and negative. It's just one big, ugly conversation. Hmm. So what and you're saying is even if you're in there trying to support if you're in favor of it and most of the people are opposed to whatever this conversation is, you're a part of the swarm and you're a part of the damage that's being done. Yes, you are. You're not necessarily part of the damage, but you're part of making it elongate. It, okay. It'll keep carrying on because if the swarm has food, let's just say there are a bunch of hungry bees, <laughs> they're looking for food. They're looking for people to respond, especially the person that they're attacking or anybody in their camp. Because now they can go to work, you know, now they can do their thing and they can, they, and it's mean, it's mean spirited. It gets ugly sometimes. I mean, I've had to use profanity filters and all kinds of stuff when I was handling these because these people get, get so that that's their food. You know, mm -hmm. they, they go on Amazon, they post bad reviews, they go on Yelp, they post bad reviews, they go anywhere. And, and the more you be, if you become a part of that, you're just a part of that group. You're not going to. You can never stop a swarm by going on and saying good things. The swarm will go away when there's no more food. So let them run their course and they go away, sometimes very quickly, depending on the crisis. But if you, if you join, then the swarm just gets bigger and nobody can, nobody can differentiate the angry bees from the happy bees in the swarm. They're just all a swarm of bees. Swarming. Okay. All right. And the, and the last part of the framework is response or to, re to respond. So let's talk about intelligent response versus just responding. And, and we've already talked about how in, in many cases the best thing to do is to not respond. In every case, the best thing to do is evaluate before you respond. But are there, after you've made the decision to respond and you've evalu or evaluated and then made the decision to respond, uh, what other, are there some additional frameworks that can be used there to help to guide the response? Or is it at that point, are you, I don't, give us some advice on, on how to respond once we've decided that a response is the best thing. Right. So if I've decided that already by doing, by listening and evaluating, now I know there are some things that you have to do. Um, make sure that you've separated fact from fiction. You did all that in the evaluate section. 
But the first thing that you have to do, you've got to now have a list of things in front of you that are facts, and you have to prioritize them. What's the most important thing to do right now? Um, in pro and I call this prioritized action. So if, if somebody stole your name and set up a Twitter account and, just, and is just being stupid to bash you, then your prioritized action is to go right to Twitter and fill out the necessary forms that you have to do. That's a prioritized action. You don't go to social media and say, that's not me, you know, that's this guy. You just fill out the form because that's what you have to do. So you have to prioritize your actions based on how quickly they will bring the crisis to an end. Then if you are if you have a level, uh, a kind of meaty level two or definitely in a level three, you have to think about preparing a message. And this is just an overall, let's call it an umbrella that anything that you say in this event now has to stay under that umbrella. So you're going to talk about, you're going to make sure that you have your values and ethics defined because they're always going to guide your communications. Are you going to get mean? Are you going to get snippy? Um, are you going to stick to the truth? Um, do you have culpability that you have to apologize for? You know, that, that kind of stuff. And then you have to decide whether or not you're going to weigh in or not weigh in or whether you're just going to take care of these things. And nine times, 9.999, 10 times out of 10, if, if your prioritized actions don't include an apology or something that needs to be said publicly to um, exonerate or whatever, or just to explain, then you don't weigh in. You just go to the back channels and do all of your communicating there. And now that, you, and then of course, then after you've got your prioritized actions spelled out, your message preparation thought through, um, then you just implement your plan. And it needs to be, you know, it needs to be done in matters of priority. When do you trigger your plan? Who, if anyone, do you want to enlist to help? If it's a level three, when do you start? The quicker, the better, but just don't jump in without a plan. You have to evaluate first because after you finish your evaluation, you'll know whether or not you need to even do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And some advice. I mean, we talked about Amazon earlier, and you mentioned that a co any company of that size would have things in place that would they would just know exactly what to do how to deal with this issue that issue or the other issue would it be in our best interest to have like a high level plan in place if something happens or is just having the framework enough for most of us well i think the framework's enough okay. i think the framework is what you do and if you understand the framework then you can um, evaluate and and uh, respond in any at any level, but because once you go through evaluation, you'll know what level you're at, and then you'll know whether you need help or not, and or whether you need to, to go on to a forum. Most authors are are uh, members of private forums somewhere um, that they can ask for uh, help. Has anybody gone through this? Uh, I need help with this. What you know? What should I do? Or who should I contact? But I think. For if you if you're evaluating correctly, you'll know what to do because some of these things, like what I mentioned with the Twitter thing, that's just filling out a form, mm -hmm. and then it'll go away. And so you need to understand that framework. But you know, go on to forums if you're really puzzled. Um, Ask for a free consultation with a PR person that, that has experience in crisis because most crisis um, people will always give you a free consultation because they'll know whether or not they can help you and whether or not you really need help. 
or whether you can just handle it yourself. Um, and then also um, just make sure that you, I hate, hate to keep coming back to this, but just make sure that you've taken the emotion out at the beginning so that you do evaluate correctly. Because sometimes people who are so wound up in being criticized could have a level two crisis and think it's a level three. Yes. And so you just, if you've got friends, you need to build that network of authors that you can trust and you can confide in. Um, don't go to social media and ask the public what to do. Use back channels, go behind the scenes, use private forums, private messages, contact your genre professional organization. Um, but, you know, if it's if it's just something that you can ignore, then just ignore it and move on. You really have to train yourself to, to make this be a business operation mm -hmm. and not something that I'm going to rise and fall on. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that what we're talking about relates to, I think what most people think of in terms of crisis is the big crisis, the, you know, the horrible thing that we all see, the train wreck, and they think, or we think of that in terms of crisis, but it's also the little things, you know, the, the bad review can be a crisis. Is, is it a crisis that you do something with or a crisis that you ignore? Uh, someone stealing your identity on Twitter, also a crisis. There are lots of things that are that go up and down that one through three scale, and it's important probably to identify them all as they come along, and I guess that's what the listening thing is for. Yeah, and I agree with you totally. That is such a good point. I hope people were really listening closely there because we need to be able to use the, the whole gamut of tools at all the levels mm -hmm. because if you train yourself to evaluate every time something comes along and most of your stuff is just not, like I said before, I think 99% of everything you just need to ignore or fill out a form or something. Then when the, if, and it, and it's unlikely that our listeners are ever going to have that big event, but if you ever do have a big event, you will be ready. You will see it as just a business operation that you have a plan for and you're going to implement. And it's, you don't want to ignore you know, doing anything about the little stuff that really bothers you and then someday have a big one and, oh, I better go pull out that yeah. book. Well, yeah, and look even worse, I better go buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I buy it first, read it, and understand all this stuff so that you know how to deal with the little things. I think that most doctors out there that, that and I, you know, would rather see people prevent disease than have to treat disease. Mm. And so I just I just think that this is kind that's that's a loose analogy that you can use here that if you're preventing these things there's definitely an attitude adjustment that you're going to have to make but prevention is you know is the best thing just do your do your due diligence and and you'll be okay. All right, we've been speaking with author, speaker, and teacher Chris Syme, and Chris's new book, Crisis Management for Authors, comes out tomorrow. Chris, where can listeners find the book? Well, it's it's a Kindle-only book. It's Amazon-only, so if you're in Kindle Unlimited, you can just borrow it, and it's otherwise it's on Amazon. And it is available as a pre-order today. If you don't want to wait until tomorrow, it'll be delivered on your Kindle tonight if you're listening to the show on Wednesday when it comes out. Chris, what's the best place for, for listeners to connect with you? I think that if you go to cksime.com, there's some links there, um, S-Y-M-E.com, and I'm sure you'll put a link to that. Um, our podcast, uh, my daughter and I have a weekly podcast 
marketing podcast, and we've been talking on and off about a number of different issues related to this as well there. But if you, you know, just want to go to my website, usually that's where you can find me. Also, you can find out how to get into our um, closed Facebook groups as well there. Yes. So if you're looking for common sense marketing advice for authors, uh, the, the podcast she's talking about, Smarty Pants Marketing Podcast, is that it? Yeah. I don't know how you Smarty came up with that name, but <laughs> it's memorable. Yeah, that, that's a great resource. Time, so that's, you know, you've been a Smarty Pants. You know that. Yes, I am a Smarty Pants. So, Chris, thanks so much for being here. And thanks for having me. And I, I'm so glad that you, you know, stepped out and, and wanted to talk about this because it's, it's a great subject. Yes. And uh, thanks so much for everyone that's out there listening. As always, we'll have links to everything we mentioned, including the link to Chris's books and her website and, the, and her podcast at theauthorbiz.com. <laughs>